Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I think he's right. I mean, he's he's clearly right. We, you don't want to play Lamar when he's a dog. You don't want to play him when he's a favorite. I mean, when you look at his numbers, I think he's one of the most profitable quarterbacks in the league in terms of being able to cover, and, and especially, especially when he plays the NFC. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Beast. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Andre Paraiso, filling in for our guy, Elliot Bowman, on the ones and twos today. Elliot, enjoying some much-needed time off for the holidays, oh, yeah. as he will be back next week here as we back start to... Back in Indianapolis. He's, yeah, he's as back. they make their stretch run, I'm sure he's hey. going to help them out there, figure <laughs> it all out, you know? Maybe he'll go see it in person. Who knows? Who knows the plans Elliot yeah. has for for the holidays, but our guy taking some much needed time off, which is good to see that. Also, on a more holiday note there, we want to let folks know, and we'll remind everybody at the end of the podcast, but there will be no podcast Monday on Christmas. We'll do a Boxing Day Tuesday pod for the GM Shuffle here to recap everything, all the the triple header that we get Monday. So I just wanted to put that out there. No Monday pod. It will be a Tuesday pod next week, and then we'll be back on Thursday and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to put that out there, Michael. But holiday season, and uh, the holiday season has, uh, maybe it's come at the perfect time here for the Philadelphia Eagles. They try to put a smile on their face after what we saw Monday night, buddy. It's now three straight losses. They lose 20 to 17. Real quick, just want to recap this before we get into all the news and notes here. I was really interested, and I want to get your take on this, Jalen Hurts' comments after the game, talking about the team isn't committed enough right now. And we know that sometimes with all these quarterbacks, like what you say, it depends on how much credit you have in the locker room. Hurts has a lot of credit there. How do you see this going over between this Eagles team about Hurts kind of calling everybody out to him? Hey, we got to dial this thing in. Well, I mean, look, I don't know what he means. You know, they asked him what he meant by commitment. I mean, I think clearly their offense is struggling. And, you know, one of the things I think you have to love about Hurts is the fact that he is accountable and it takes responsibility. But he has not played well. Let's be clear here. You know, he's, you know, the last two weeks he's thrown for less than 200 yards. Uh, he's turned the ball over at a more rapid rate. I, but the bigger issue for me watching the Eagles and studying them on tape this week is Hurts, his, his eye level is come down to a point where it's concerning. And when I say eye level, I mean he literally is, looks at the rush and he runs and he moves. There was a third and ten play in the game where, you know, there, he scrambles to his right and then he came all the way back to his left and he threw an incomplete pass over by the sideline to Goddard. But there was no reason for him to move in the pocket. And so, you know, he's just taken off to take off. And that's a concern, you know, because you can blame the coordinator, but if the play's there and the quarterback's not running through the progressions or actually running the offense and just taking off, his eye level's down. I mean, Think about it now. You know, he averaged 4.6 yards per attempt in the Seattle game. In the Dallas loss, he averaged 7.3. In the San Francisco loss, he averaged 6.6. In Buffalo, he averaged 6.5. In Kansas City, he averaged 6.8. Like, he's not made any plays up the field. And I think what people have noticed on tape about him is that he looks at the rush. And so because of that, you know, if, you, if he feels he's getting pressure, if he feels he needs to move, he's taken off too soon, which is what he didn't do last year. So that's a concern, you know, and, and they just don't have the same effect offensively that they did last year where they can start and build the lead. Look, you got to give Philly credit in, when they take Hurts. They, de- they design an offense that fits them, right? And if he's not going to execute the play and they can't get the lead in the play action pass offense, or if he can't execute that, that becomes the issue. And, you know, I don't know if it's a commitment or if it's a communication issue, but, you know, it, it starts and ends with him and he's got to be accountable. The, the, one of the biggest plays in the game, Femi, they have a chance to keep the ball and keep it away from their opponent. And what happens is they, they have a third and seven pocket clean. 
he decides to throw a nine route down the field to A.J. Brown, and he throws it out of bounds. Mm -hmm. The crosser is wide open. He throws the crosser, the guy might score. But see, this is what happens when you're trying to force the ball to somebody, you're trying to get somewhere. Do you think that's what's going on? Because I know A.J. Brown, he was on social media saying that, like, hey, this is not some, like, buddy ball situation. Obviously, we know Hurts and A.J. Brown are really close. And, like, when the trade was happening, like, everybody talked about how they've had a friendship going back to when they were, like, in high school. Do you think that's the problem, that Hurts is kind of locking in on one guy and not really spreading the ball around? Like, there's Smith, there's Goddard. There's a number of dynamic weapons on that Eagle offense. I think sometimes it does. It happens to all quarterbacks. It's not hurt. I mean, sometimes it happens because it comes down to a trust factor, right? It comes down to a trust factor. It's what we talked about. I talked about this in Gridiron Genius. You know, when you got to have a play, who are you going to? And it's just human nature. But the, the offense, you have to let the offense work for yourself. You know, this week I wrote about it on vison.com, and I, and I think it's really important for us to understand. When you're in the league, right, when you're in the league and you win a game, this is and this is very Belichickian because Belichick – is emotions are the same win or lose because Belichick has a great ability to categorize wins, right? So a dominating win is when you basically have control of the game and you have the lead. You, a dominating win can be 20 to 10. A dominating win can be 40 to nothing. But it's a dominating win is when you're playing the game and in the first quarter, you as a better family, you know well, that was a bad pick. Yep. Like you could just tell the team's dominating. Right. And event and they and maybe they take the game over in the third quarter. Maybe they take it over in the fourth. Maybe they take it over in the second. But those dominating wins are you have to you categorize those. The second category, which is really the most games are decided, is the dictating one where a dictating win means that the, the other team you're trying to dictate to the other team. The other team's resilient. They, they force some mistakes. You've made mistakes. But eventually, you dictate the ending of the game in the last eight to ten minutes. And then the other win, the third win, and this is the one where the media loses sight of, is called the dangerous win. And when you have these dangerous wins, it means you played shitty, but you found a way to win in the last three minutes. You didn't deserve to win, but you won. And when you break down this Eagles schedule, really, they have not had a dominating win since week three of the season when they beat Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. Now they've had a lot of uh, a, a lot of of uh, of dangerous wins, we've seen that. They've had a lot of dictating wins, but you have to go back to week three. They've had two really. When you break down their schedule, they've had two dominating wins against Minnesota and against Tampa. I would call the New York, the New England game, and the opening game that was more of a dictating. They were in control. They dictated it, mm -hmm. and they were. And but you know, they, New England helped them by not getting their feet in bounds. There was a chance. You know, the two Washington games. I mean, look yeah. at those are dangerous games. One was a dictating win, another was a dangerous win. So I think these things add up, and these are the problems that, that come with having success. you got to figure out how to handle these wins. Yeah, no, that's a really good point here because I look at the schedule, like you said, it's like it's been a lot of kind of like, okay, they're winning, but it doesn't look good. And we've talked about that on the pod. And I know like a lot of Eagle fans have been like, hey, like, we're, like when they were 10 and one, it's like, hey, we're 10 and one. Like, why are we getting so much criticism? It's like, this is right. why, you know, like, because like, we all saw the cracks, but like you were winning, but the, 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 the kind of the, the warts were showing as well. You're, you are what your record says. There's no question. You're not taking that away. But last year they had a ton of dominating wins. They had a ton of – like, there was yeah. no way the other team was going to win. And no matter how long the game went, right, no matter how long it went, this year they haven't. They haven't had it since Tampa Bay when they won 25-11. to 11. So, you know, the fans just look at the scoreboard. But if you're an executive in the league and you're watching your team and you're seeing what your team – how your team plays, you've got to categorize those wins, you know, because – Ultimately, those, the categorization of those wins allow you to improve your team. They allow you to improve your team because when you do that, look, we won, but we didn't do this, this, and this. We won dangerously because we did that. You know, and it's not as simple as we got to win the turnover battle. It's, that's not as simple as it is. I mean, like San Francisco last week against Arizona tackled probably the worst I've ever seen them tackle all year. Mm -hmm. Was it a dangerous win? No. They were dom that was a dominating win for them. I'll give them that. But there were elements of that game that were very, I would say, pretty much that it wasn't their playing their A game. Now, they didn't have Hargrave. They didn't have Armstead inside. 
but they, they were dictating the game. You could have said that was a dictating win more than a dominating win because they, they didn't really play their best ball. And I think as an executive, you've got to sit there and say to yourself, honestly, without bias, here's what happened. Here's where we were. Like you take the Bears, for example. They can't win a fourth quarter to save their life. Is that just because bad luck? No. No, that's not. That's because they never can get control of a game completely, nor can they throw the ball when they have to throw the ball to win a game or run the ball. And so when you watch that last week, when I, when I thought Cleveland, when I thought Chicago would cover the three, it really became that was a poor handicap because that was the only way they were going to win that was going to be a dangerous win. And, you know, look, Cleveland over time ended up winning that game in terms of really dictating the outcome by their defense. So I guess going forward here for the Philadelphia Eagles, they play the Giants Christmas afternoon at home, then they're at home against the Cardinals, and then at the Giants to wrap up the season. What do you want to see from this team over the final three weeks to kind of feel better about them come playoff time? Like, does it need to be dominant, like one, two, three here? Or is it the the way, based on what you've seen, can this not be fixed? And this is kind of what they're going to be going into January. Well, look, they got, you know, they have three really games that they should dominate. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're a 12 point uh, favorite here at home. I mean, so they should, they should be able to dominate. They got Arizona at home. I mean, they're going to be double-digit favorites the rest of the season. I think this yeah. isn't about their opponent. I really think this is if you're Nick Sirianni, you're saying to yourself, okay, here's what we have to fix in order to beat the good teams and really focus on that. Don't focus on New York. Don't focus on Arizona. Focus on that. I think that's the case. You're not going to turn this around and all of a sudden put 50 on the board and think you've solved your problem. That would be the worst thing that could happen to Philadelphia mm. is if they come out and they dominate New York on Christmas Day and then everybody takes a breath. They got to keep digging, and it's going to be hard, you know. And we haven't talked about their defense. I mean, yeah. to let Drew Locke go 97 yards on the final play, a final drive. I mean, did you see the clip of Pete Carroll in the locker room? I thought it was sensational. How happy he was! It was, you know, Pete has that. We wrote about it for the Daily Coach today. He has that childlike enthusiasm that's yep. just contagious. And you know, like he said in that in that presentation, you're not winning a game in the first, you're not winning a game in the second, you're not winning the game in the third, you gotta win the game in the fourth, which I keep saying all games are decided in the fourth. And yeah. they were able to make the ninety seven yards. Yeah. That's I mean, been his and Matt mantra. and Matt tried to he tried to do, you know, he got caught third and ten. He's got he's got Metcalf doubled and you know they don't they don't he gets the ball in there. Third and six, third and eight I think it was and Bradbury squats on the route, and they throw it over his head. And that's usually been the side of the field that the Eagles can hang their hat on. Is like, hey, when it comes to closing time, that pass rush will take care of business. They weren't able to do that, and they let Drew Locke go 90-plus yards to win the game and save Seattle's season, at least for the time being. As for Philadelphia, we'll see if they can keep the grease on the poles uh, during the holiday season here. I know it's probably panic time out there in the city of brotherly love, but I guess, hey, they're still 10-4 and in control of their own destiny as it pertains to the NFC East. All right, we'll hit some of the other news and notes on the other side. This is the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
All right, I think we can officially close the book on the uh, the Aaron Rodgers 2023 kind of return to play here. He announced earlier this week on the Pat McAfee show that uh, he is not quite healthy, would need three to four more weeks recovering from the Achilles injury. It's been a rapid recovery. Like the fact that he's even gotten to like three to four weeks away is pretty remarkable there. But uh, Rogers said that, hey, he wants to be 100%. If he was 100%, he would push to play. But he also said some other stuff, Michael, in that interview talking about how uh, he has complete faith in the Jets brass, general manager Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala. And the Jets, for some reason, are keeping Rogers on the 53-man roster despite him not being able to play what's behind all that here because like i feel like that's a roster spot that you could use isn't it activate a guy anyway so what the jets have basically said they would they need rogers to continue with his rehab and the only way he can continue his football activity rehab is to dress him is to keep him on the team and so if they said they they were not going to keep him on the team if they didn't turn that over into a roster spot, then he has to go back to the training room and work off on the side, can't have pads on, can't do anything with the team. So this keeps him locked into the team, not that he's going to play, but mm -hmm. more of a fact that he's going to be able to continue his rehab and, and improve, you know, and, and improve his game as he moves forward, gotcha. which to me, I think is, is probably is the right thing to do. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not dressing the guy anyway. What difference does it make, right? He's, it's going to be a spot that you're not going to dress a guy. And the Jets aren't that talented that they can't find a place for somebody if they need to move a guy up. Let's be clear here. I don't think that. So I, I think that's exactly why they did it. To me, you know, what he said on, on Pat's show was, you know, I mean, he's happy with everybody. You know, and I, I said on my, our show, I said, you know, look, they should just give him the charter. I mean, he's running the team. You know, I mean, he talked about, he, he talked like a general manager in that conversation. Look, we got some tough decisions to make. You know, we got to get this and this. You know, so look, they're all in. I mean, I think at, I'm at the point where I'm done talking about it. Like, I'm done talking about why the Jets are so bad and yet Cleveland's able to overcome it. And nobody seems to think that's the issue. Everybody just seems to think the pixie dust of Aaron Rodgers is going to cure all their problems. Yeah, and, and that's my that's been my take this whole season is that I think had Rodgers been healthy, I think we would have seen this been like a nine-win team somewhere around there, and it would have been like a kind of a quote-unquote disappointment based on it, and the fact that he ended up getting injured, it's kind of almost given everybody a pass. It's given everybody a mulligan here as they're going to go ahead and run this thing back. It's just that I guess if as you're if the they Jets— deserve a mulligan. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what they think they deserve the mulligan. They're, I mean, the owner Woody Johnson is going to give it to him. It sounds like so. I guess they're going to get it. <laughs> like you know, it's, 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 it's like what does deserve have to do with anything if the owner is just going to give it to you? And that's the kind of the situation that they're going to be in. Is there a path? Because I know like they still have their first round pick. What do you think this team needs to get? Like, do they need to get some offensive linemen? Do they need to, like, like what do they need to kind of fulfill the expectations that they had once they acquired Aaron Rodgers? Well, I, I think they need to fix their offensive line. I think they obviously they need to do that. They need to get much better there, and they need to correctly evaluate themselves. I think the other thing they need to do is: do, do they really need to bring Rodgers? Do they really need Randall Cobb? Do they really need Lazard? Do they need the players that he wants? I mean, I think they got to make that decision. I mean, somebody's got to say no. You know, somebody's got to say no. We're not doing that. That guy's not. You know, he doesn't help our team. I think they need offensive. It's pretty clear they need offensive mm -hmm. linemen. But I think the deeper issue is: look, we've seen this offense two years now. In Denver and at the Jets, it's not been good. Yeah, it's not been good. Like, and I know Rodgers loves Nathaniel, and 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 he has full confidence in him. But if you're Nathaniel Hackett, right, it, you can't just say this is because the quarterback can't execute. You have to do a deep dive into yourself and say, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently to get this? Because your your offense isn't just bad. It's just not bad. Your offense is historically bad. And so when you're historically bad, it's just not about one player. Remember, when, when, it, when it becomes a pixie dust solution to everything, then you take away discipline and accountability from everybody else. And so for me, I think you've got to sit there and say, look, we've had one game all year where we've had 20 first downs. One game. One game. And so we can't score any points. You know, we can't make any plays. And it's just not. It's just not we don't have Rodgers. So if, if Nathaniel's coming back, you, you're going to have to make some decisions here on, on what you got to do to improve the offense because this offense, even with Rodgers, isn't going to be good enough. You think they'd move on from Hackett? I don't see how they could. Everybody's safe. Why would they?
Yeah, that's that's. How fair. do you move on from Hacken? You don't move on from Salah. That's a good question. How do you do that? I mean, how do you do that? I mean, they moved. I mean, they brought him in there. You know, Mike McDaniel's is sitting in, in Los Angeles, laughing his ass off. They were better offensively last year, and that's yeah. not saying a whole lot. Yeah, it's like it's like you say what you want about Matt Patricia. They were better. The Patriots were better at Matt Patricia running the offense than they are with Billy O'Brien. That is definitely true. Rogers said that he expects to play beyond 2024, so he wants to get at least two years. Feels like this is a lost year for him with the New York Jets, so I guess they can kind of build around this thing going forward with Rogers as the franchise QB. Hopefully he's healthy in 2024 so we can see what the Jets had in store for the National Football League. Uh, let's go uh, to Pittsburgh, though, because there's a lot of stuff going on out of Pittsburgh that seems uncharacteristic for what we've kind of known this franchise to be. The Steelers, of course, have uh, been in, in the downward spiral, now sitting at 7 and seven it looked like they had the playoffs right in front of them they've lost three straight games but a lot of talk about their wide receiver George Pickens and I know we talked about this over the weekend on our show the Lombardi line here but Pickens like the the, the, the no effort stuff that he's doing on place he was asked about it and said hey I don't want to get rolled up on like how Tank Dell got rolled up on that's why I didn't block on the on the run from Jalen Warren Warren said that I would have blocked for Pickens if the roles were reversed it seems like there's a lot going on here in Pittsburgh and a lot of it centered around their second year wide receiver yeah, look, this kid was really talented, right? And the reason he went in the second round is we're seeing it, right? It's, not, it's about him, not about the team. And I, and I think that's got to be driving Pittsburgh's culture crazy. And it's creating a, very, a, a, a division within the ranks. You know, there's always three groups of people in every organization. And what you try to do, the people in group three are typically the most talented ones. And, but they always have a problem. They're never happy. You know, and so as a leader, you try to go to and win over group three, and that just pisses off everybody in group two and group one. I mean, this is a kid that, to me, he should be somebody else's problem. I mean, I don't care how talented he is. You know, if, when he gave that excuse that he didn't want to get rolled up on, then that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Like, he has no interest in helping you win. And I know Mike Tomlin said he's an immature kid. He's got to grow up, all that stuff. I don't know if that's going to be the case about growing up. I mean, Claypool, they got rid of Claypool for the same reasons. How's that career working out for Claypool? Have you even seen him in Miami? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, he went to Chicago, disappeared, now he's in Miami. I mean, look, it's never about you as a player. And I think to me, this is, you know, we keep wondering when Tomlin's magic's going to turn over. And, and I don't think, I think a lot of the Tomlin magic that can't turn over is related to his locker room in terms of the culture that he can't get it back to where it always was before. I would expect a, a lot of clearing out here. I really would. I mean, I, I think to me, you know, you're going to have to get rid of the players that just don't buy into the program. I mean, I, that's just a fact. I mean, you know, look, everybody wanted Matt Canada fired. Okay, I got that. He didn't, you know, the Steelers with Canada, they averaged 16.6 a game. All right, since he left, they're at 14.2. I, I'm not saying that, that it's all, it was all, that, that they did a wrong thing. I think that their team's not in line, and you can see it. You can see they're not connected as a football team. This is nothing like the typical Mike Tomlin team. Well, Tomlin had this to say about Pickens. He said, quote, I would like him to be more professional in terms of addressing some of his shortcomings to further add fluidity to the process. He's not helping himself. He's not helping the process. But the manner in which he deals with you guys, the media, is not necessarily the manner in which he deals with us or himself regarding acknowledging where he is and where he needs to go. And I guess the question is, is like, how does this get here? If you're from a Mike Tomlin coach team, like we talked about, he's been there so many years. They've never had a losing season. Like, how does the culture become this? Is it just like they accidentally drafted one bad apple and now like this is what happens? Or because like I, I'm almost like not pinning the blame on Tomlin, but the head coach has to take some responsibility for the culture, doesn't he? Well, he does. But I think what happened with the culture is, is the kid comes in, he's a second round pick, he starts making plays. All of a sudden, me included, everybody thinks, oh, he's got a chance to have a breakout year. You keep hearing about all this stuff. He's reading this, right? And, and yet they're not making any, he's not making the plays or living up to the expectations of people's fantasy leagues. He's drafted early. All those things. You know, we don't think that counts. These guys know it, right? You know, they know their Madden rating. They know where they are. And so I think a lot of that has been, been inflicted upon, hey, we're, these expectations that were put on the player. And when those expectations don't get meet, the leader's stuck with, oh, shit, we're in trouble. That's why as a leader of any organization, as the head coach, you, you've got to manage expectations. You can't let your social media department take over and start promoting players or promoting things that they can't back up. 
It's one of the reasons why Al Davis never had press conferences for rookies. You've never seen a rookie press conference at the Raiders. They don't have them. He didn't want, he didn't want the rookie standing in front of the media. He didn't want to sit there and say, have a rookie talk about it. He wanted the rookie to get involved with the team, not have to talk about how great he was, and then piss all the other players off. There's a method to that madness, and I think that needs to come back. Yeah, and you can sense like you can just see it just like from Pickens' body language. Like, like he wants the football. It's he's horrible. Like, he's like he's like why, why why can't I get the football? And he's it looks, looks like he's like kind of visually pouting on the field. And it's like you said, it's horrible there. Tomlin asked about how the locker room feels about Pickens not wanting to be in Pittsburgh. He said, "Ask them." <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> and he won't be in Pittsburgh long. I, I, you can write it down. What is today's December twenty? This is the first yep. day of winter. Yeah, I mean it's going to be a cold winter for Pickens. He's going to go now. Here's the problem. P- P- you think other teams want Pickens' problem? They want his talent. They don't want his problem. That's what the players miss. That's what they really don't understand is nobody wants another, your asshole. They have enough of their assholes. Yeah. that's. Do, do you think that they could get, like, what, like a day three pick for, for, for George Pickens? Is that kind of what would be – because like, they spent a second-round pick on him, but I guess they got a second-round pick for Claypool or pick 32. Yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody thinks they can get the talent turned around. But, look, do you think you think if he were in San Francisco that he would be allowed to not block? Oh, my god! Do you gosh. think if he were at a team that was demanding? I mean, think about it. Like, I don't want to get rolled up on. You're, you know, you think, are you kidding me? you got to block if you're here. He, he wouldn't play in San Francisco. That's how that works. Of course he wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't play there because Kyle Shanahan is not putting up with wide receivers who do, who do not block there. That's 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 a fact right there. We've seen some other guys kind of fall out of favor into the quote-unquote doghouse in San Francisco for, for similar reasons there. So this George Pickens-Pittsburgh Steelers saga continues. Steelers, they host the Cincinnati Bengals coming up on Saturday. It'll be Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Um, that's Who knows what we're going to see with that one there. They're catching about two and a half, two points in that game against Jake oh, Browning. Boy. It's... You have the stomach for it, Michael? You betting the Steelers? You got to. Yeah, I think it's the right play, though. It might be. It might be. You just got to be able to stomach it. We'll get to handing out some Christmas gifts coming up next year on the GM Shuffle. Let's get to handing out some Christmas gifts. We'll get to some of your kind of uh, takes that you have percolating right now in the NFL, but it's the holiday season, and we're in the gift-giving mood, and you wanted to hand out some gifts to four owners in the National Football League, and we will start with Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. What are you giving him this holiday season? Well, you know, let's start it off with, I mean, what do you give a billionaire? I mean, what do you give somebody who has everything or could buy everything in an instant, right? So... You know, like Christmas for a billionaire. I mean, you know, they're not getting. You know, what, what gift can you possibly get them? A nice bottle of wine? They can buy the winery. So, like, I mean, how do you do that, right? So, I mean, if you're David Tepper, what I would recommend for David Tepper is just by reading everything. And and I was certainly thought that David Tepper would enter in the league with a little bit of a of a, a mindset that was more in terms of his hedge fund and how he thought and processed. But what I've seen from him is I've seen somebody who reacts to everything. You know, he's the dog that sits in the yard and, and chases every car that comes by. So my gift to David Tepper would be to, to lose his cell phone. Like, this dude <laughs> needs to lose his cell phone. Like, he needs to stop talking to people. Like, he needs to stop talking. Like, he is in that, you know, that Dave Clark Five element, like in The Sopranos, where Jimmy Altieri says, hey, we can't run this thing like the Dave Clark Five. It's a paramilitary. we got to have a supreme commander. The problem is he, he's not a supreme commander because he's listening to a thousand people. Who should be my GM? Who should be my coach? What should I do here? And really all that tells you is he's trying to get too involved with everything. And so he misses the main thing. That great people, great leaders, the main thing always is the main thing. And for Tepper, he can't find the main thing. But the one gift you could give him is destroy his cell phone. Yeah, quit, quit listening to so many different outside sources. Why do you think somebody would do that? Like, you're a billionaire. You've made a ton of money. Uh, you clearly are competent in something. Why do you think they're so, like, I don't know if it's insecure or, or what the word is, but, like, wanting outside feedback so much? Like, why do you think they're like almost like run, running a poll kind of informally of who they should hire? Well, I think that really the bigger issue is they can't figure out what good information is and what bad information is. Right. And so when they rely on some of the guys that are feeding them information, whether it's the insiders in the NFL, they think that's good information. 
because they have it, right? And not all information is good information, you know, and so that you get addicted. I know I did at times. You get addicted to the information. You know, what do you hear on this? What do you hear on that? Instead of sitting there saying, okay, you know, what do you think you should do? We do this all the time in betting, Femi. I mean, you know, you might like a team on Monday and you listen to a bunch of different takes and by Friday yeah. you're flipped to the other team. Yeah, that's a good point. And then point. Sunday you're like, what? wait a minute, why didn't I just sit there and, you know, we get influenced. We don't know what is, not all information is important. It really isn't relevant. And I think he's having a hard time of understanding the relevance. And, and he's acting like Haslam did when he went to Cleveland. I mean, and you would have thought that having been in Pittsburgh, they would change dramatically on how they think, but they just don't. Yeah, that's a really good point there. Because um, like, like you said, the betting one, like we've all suffered from that. It's like, oh, I like this team. Then it's like, well, everyone likes the other team. Let me flip to that side. Uh, it never really works out well for you. Uh, all right, let's get to another owner to hand out a gift. Dean Spanos of the Los Angeles Chargers lives in this area, in the Las Vegas area. What are we getting him for uh, for the holidays? You know, I think what Dean needs is credibility. You could buy him credibility. And he's going to have to hire somebody who gives him credibility. Look, look, to me, I don't think it's real complicated. I saw yesterday Michigan and the NC2As trying to come down on them. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm Dean Spanos and I know I've got to compete with, with Andy Reid and I know I've got to compete with Sean Payton, I need a guy that can compete and give my organization what I need more than anything. And that organization needs toughness, toughness, competitive toughness. That's what they need. And I, I would go hire Jim Harbaugh and do whatever I needed to do to get him. I would. Let him come in, fix the team, you know, coach the quarterback. Give me the toughness that I'm going to need in a, in a game in December in Kansas City or a game in December in Denver to win that game. I would give him the gift of, of the captain, captain comeback. I mean, that's what he needs. It's really not a complex problem. Hiring Ben Johnson is, is a nice thing on paper, right? I, and I don't have anything against I don't know Ben Johnson. I'm, ben Johnson's tape is outstanding. He's a really good play caller. But this problem in, at Los Angeles is way deeper than a play caller. It's way deeper than a play caller. And we saw that with, the, with Joystick coming in. I mean, he couldn't fix it. They're, they have institutionalized problems. And when you have institutionalized problems, it requires a bigger solution, right? It's just not, okay, we're going to do this. And I think that gift would be the best gift I could give them. Maybe they'll kidnap Harbaugh after the Rose Bowl down there in Southern well, California. <laughs> How about this, Femi? How about this? I've heard from a lot of people in the league that there's going to be a bidding war for Ben Johnson and that he, as a first-time head coach, could make upwards of $15 million a year. Now, would you rather pay Ben Johnson 15 or would you rather pay Jim Harbaugh 20 Yeah. Give you decide. Har yeah, give me Harbaugh. I, 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 know I mean, that. how hard is that of a decision? No, it's not if hard. i got to compete for Ben Johnson and I'm not sure the results are going to be what I think they are, I don't know. He could become Don Shula. He could become Sean McVay. I don't know. He might, but I, I would rather pay. But I mean, look, the rates for first-time head coaches are way up. I mean, I think I think they're right around nine or ten. That's what the coaches mm -hmm. are getting now, head coaches, which is astronomical. So if you're going to pay that, wouldn't I just wouldn't I overpay for Harbaugh? I think that makes way more sense. We know Harbaugh can do it at, at the NFL level as a head coach. He did it at, already with the 49ers. 70% winning percentage. It. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, it's a no-brainer for me. It's Harbaugh 100%. And like you, whatever, like, yeah, maybe he's not somebody you want to have a beer with or whatever. Who cares? You, you're going to win games, and that's what we're in this for. Oh, you'd like to have a beer with him. He's a good guy. Is he? No, that, well, the pe media, media pe people, people, people always say that he's hard to, to deal with and all that stuff. I mean, but people say a lot of shit. So I guess we can yeah, just I move mean, on. Is it true? Who knows? Maybe one day I'll have a beer with him and we'll find out. Uh, Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington Commanders. What are you getting him? Well, besides hot water for a stadium, that would be the first <laughs> gift you got to give him, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you got to – I mean, look, Josh Harris needs a stadium. He needs one so badly. Mm -hmm. I was at the 76er game last night, and I was sitting directly across from him. He was on the floor. I was 13 rows up right at the same level, and I'm thinking – and I'm watching him work his phone, and I'm thinking, who's – you know, like – He's running two franchises, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, you know, like what, what move are you going to make? You know, it's pretty clear that, you know, they, they don't think that Biennemi's a candidate because if they would have thought Biennemi had a chance to be the head coach, think about this, then they would have fired Ron because certainly Ron's fireable at this point. You know, not even with that horrendous decision last week or the taking three minutes to score seven points. You know, the, the whole mismanagement of the game 
there's more than reasons to fire Ron. What it tells you is, to me, is that if you use deductive reasoning, is you have to ask the question, why hasn't Josh Harris fired Ron Rivera? And I think the answer is because they don't want to promote the enemy. Because, like, why wouldn't they want to promote the enemy? Everybody in the media thinks he should be the next head coach of every team. Right? Everybody thinks that Sam Howell's been doing great offensively, even though he leads the league in turnovers and he leads the league in sacks. Everybody thinks that. So why not? Well, the reason maybe he's not is because maybe internally, we've seen this from the players in Washington, that they don't think it. And so, you know, to me, I think that's the reason Rivera has kept his job. And if you're Josh Harris, you're going to have to hire somebody in our nation's capital that has some clout. Should, should you be after Jim, Jim Harbaugh? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this isn't – Washington still has the stink and the odor and the, and, the, and the malfunction of Daniel Snyder. It's still there. It hasn't got rid of just because the charter passed from one to another. It's still there. And until you clear that out, it's going to stay. Yeah. It's like you need a head coach that's going to come in and, like you said, bring in some clout – Maybe it's the guy that's up in New England right now. Maybe he can come and bring some clout to that organization. Uh, we've already seen one legendary coach way back when go and coach the Washington team. Maybe Bill Belichick can go ahead and do that as well. Uh, how about Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons? Well, this week Arthur Blank said that he supports Arthur Smith, but they're going to evaluate at the end of the year. So having read these tea leaves too many times in my life is, you know, I think Arthur Smith's in trouble. Yep. Right. I think Terry Fontenot's in trouble because if you read the article and read what he said, he said, hey, I three years we were going to get this thing turned around and we have it. And it's true. I mean, Art, I mean, Arthur Blank listened to the league office. He hired who they thought they should hire. And he's got this organization which really has no identity at all. I mean, we talk about Atlanta and you can't tell me who they are on offense other than they have some really good skill players. You, you, they have no identity. It's a classic example of hiring a coach who's a play caller. This is what they are. And so to me, the gift I would give Arthur Blank would be the gift of now's the time. He's 82 years old. You know, if, and now's the time to put your chips in the middle of the table and try to fix this thing and get somebody that can come in and run your team that's got some clout that's got some understanding, that's kind of has been there before, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, I don't know, whoever else it'll be. But I think that's what the gift he needs because this is going nowhere. Like there's times where you need more patience and there's times where you need less patience. And for me, watching Atlanta, and I've been on Atlanta a lot this year watching them, right? I watch them in games. You know, they, I, had, you know I watch them closely. They have no identity on defense, offense. They have no size. They're kind of packed together. You know, there's no real rhyme or reason to their team, how their team's built. You know, they, they have they went into the season believing Ritter was the guy. They did nothing to really help that. You know, they went with that belief. And so for me, I think you've seen enough. Three years you've seen enough. I think Blank needs to kind of seize the moment and find the right guy. And I don't know who the right guy is. It could be a guy, it could be Jim Harbaugh from college. It could be somebody else from college. But to me, this is the moment that he needs to turn his franchise around. Yeah, and one of the things that like last year they were able to do, you talk about offensive identity, at least last year they could run the football. This year they, they can't even run the ball this year. Like, like it's, it's a whole lot of nothing that's going on. Like The passing game, of course, is inept. Uh, Heineke is going to start the rest of the season instead of Desmond Ritter, who has now been benched for a second time, although he was touted as the guy before the season. And, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, how many, how many conversations did we have in March of, like, hey, why aren't they trying to go after Lamar Jackson? Why aren't they trying to go after Lamar Jackson? And they said that they liked their guy. I mean, they went out of their way to say, we're not interested. And now look at that. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a wasted season for the Falcons. It is a waste. Not almost. It is. And, 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 at the, and they haven't really done anything to help. And like you, they're no better than they were three years ago. Yeah. They're no better than they were three years ago, really. Yeah, times, they have names. On, they, have, they have names. They're no better. Yeah. I mean, we go back to what we said on Monday's pod. I mean, Pitts, London, Bijan, 12 combined touches in the loss against the Carolina Panthers. And you picked all three of those guys in the top 10. Like, what are we doing with the organization with that? All right. On the other side, we'll wrap up the pod. We'll get to the marquee games, including Christmas night, Ravens at the Niners, maybe a Super Bowl preview. We shall see. This is the GM Shuffle.
May we see a Super Bowl preview Christmas night in Santa Clara between the Ravens and the 49ers. But right now, San Francisco is a five-point favorite at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Total sitting at 47. Do you buy into that? Is this a Super Bowl preview? We have the two teams that currently have the number one seed in their respective conferences. Well, I think, I, I, me for me, like I, I think these are obviously two teams that I, when I go when I went through the schedule this week, I thought this two these are the two teams that have the most dominating wins in the league. I mean, look, Baltimore has had like the lead going in the fourth quarter in most every single game, you know, and, and they've been able to close them out, and they've done a tremendous job in that. Now, Baltimore's got some injuries. I think the Mitchell injury really affects them because I thought he gave them a loose play back that was really good. I worry about Melvin Gordon's ability to hold on to the football if they go and put him in the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think these are clearly the two best teams. You know, it'll be fun. They, I mean, Baltimore's got to play San Francisco, come back play Miami, right? You know, you yeah. play San Francisco, you're going to be beat up a little bit. Then you got to come back and play Miami outdoors. We'll see, you know, but... I do think that, Femi. I think you, you can't argue with it. I'm shocked the line's five, five and a half. I thought there'd be more money coming in on Baltimore. I mean, Lamar's really good on the road in situations like this. You're not the only one that's shocked, Michael. The Baltimore Ravens are also shocked as well. Earlier this week, Lamar Jackson, when he was asked about them being five and a half, five-point underdogs, he said, quote, I don't want them to pick us. I like being the underdog. I believe we play better when we're doubted and when people aren't choosing us to win the game. I feel like we play better all the time. So just do it all the way to February. That's all I ask. <laughs> I think he's right. I mean, he's, he's clearly right. We, you don't want to play Lamar when he's a dog. You don't want to play him when he's a favorite. I mean, when you look at his numbers, I think he's one of the most profitable quarterbacks in the league in terms of being able to cover, and, and especially, especially when he plays the NFC especially when he plays the NFC. He's really good. In 20 games against the NFC, he's 19-1 straight up. He's 9-11 against the spread. His only loss came against the Giants. I mean, his 95 win percentage is the best by any quarterback of opposing conference since the merger. I mean, he's 38-21 straight up. He's 33-26 against the spread in the AFC. I mean, so he, you know, he wins games now. Does he cover? You know, he still has, you're making money on the cover, but you know, but the domination of winning 20 games, 19 out of 20, that's pretty impressive. And in this game, if he wins, he covers. You know, it's – I'm very fascinated to see if anybody can slow down what is, like, just an absolute dominant unit. This is San Francisco 49ers offense that I'm talking about. Like, the Ravens defensively have been really good. Mike McDonald's done a terrific job as a coordinator. He was probably going to be up for some head coaching jobs at the end of the season. Is there anything that they can do to try to slow down this attack? Because like we said, it's chess on grass, and there's so many just interchangeable, versatile parts that are on this Niner offense. I think the right word you use there is interchangeable, right? So you can't really get into a substitution with game with them because they're always going to be one step ahead because of the multidimensional players that they have. This is really not about their defense. This is about their offense. Their offense, talking about Baltimore, they have to play from in front. They've mm. got to score. They've got to force the issue a little bit. And force the 49ers to kind of get it to the get, it, get this game in the fourth quarter, and and see how the 49ers react to it. You know, if you have a seven point lead in the fourth quarter against Kyle Shanahan, you're going to win the game. I mean, what I think he's 0 38 in situations like that when he's seven points are down in that. I mean that that's what you got to be able to do. He's one and 31 by trailing in three points entering the three or more points entering the fourth quarter. Kyle Shanahan is one and 31. Think about that. That's a crazy stat. That, that, that's crazy. So that's insane, right? I mean, it's a true number. We bet, bet Labs puts it out. I mean, I don't I didn't make it up, you know? And so that, that to me is this is all comes back to San Francisco. You, you know, they're a great offensive team. They're built on play action. They're built on running the play in the lead. I think it's all those things. And look, they've done, a, I mean, look, Purdy, you could say whatever the frick you want. The guy is incredible. His, his I mean, his Average per attempt is almost 10 yards. That's unheard of. That's, I mean, you have to go back to Kurt Warner when in, on the heyday when they were the greatest show on turf to get that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And they have an answer for all your problems. you got to play well. you got to tackle well. I'll say this. If the Niners tackle like they did against Arizona, they'll lose the game. 
it was bad. The, the Cardinals were able to find a lot of success running the football uh, on that 49er defense. Now we'll see what they're if they're healthier at defensive tackle, like you mentioned, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, both those guys missed the game last week. Ultimately, who do you think wins this game here? Like, like do you think the Niners are able to protect home field and, and get the win? You know, I, I do, but I, I think this is. I think Baltimore will play really well. If I lean towards taking any side, I would take Baltimore. In terms of the points, I mean, the Niners are good. I mean, look, the Niners are at home. You know, but you can move the ball. I mean, we've seen the Niners give up yards. Lamar's going to move the ball. The problem with Baltimore is they can't play. You know, in a one game, you know, Lamar can make these great plays. But if you make him have to, if you take away some of those 50-50 balls or some of those plays, look, these receivers for Baltimore will get open against this. If, they, if, if Steve plays a man-to-man game, Lamar will make some throws. Got to block them, though. I don't know where we are with, you know, Ronnie Stanley. Is he going to play a left tackle? He got a concussion last week. Haven't seen that updated yet. So that's a, that's a key injury for them. I mean, yeah. you don't want to go against Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa with your backup left tackle. No, that's a problem. You, you definitely don't want that. We'll see if Stanley can get through the concussion protocol. He has an extra day, though, this game being on Monday night, Christmas night, as a nice uh, last gift from us from the NFL here. How about Sunday afternoon, Christmas Eve, Cowboys at the Dolphins? We're actually seeing some movement as we speak right now in terms of the betting market. Uh, we're seeing some pickums now in some places. We're down to one, though, as a consensus total sitting at 50 in what's supposed to be a high-flying game here. But if Tyreek is a little uncertain, who knows what we see from Miami? Well, I think if you look at this, right, I think you got to be really careful on both injury reports. Dallas's offensive line, I think Tyron Smith didn't practice. Zach Martin didn't practice. There's a bunch of guys. Last week, whether it was the flu or not, I don't know. But there is the flu bug. I, I would say to everybody listening to this pod, be really careful with your betting this week because the flu bug's going around. Every, everything I've read is a lot of teams have some. I know Buffalo has a lot of flu in their you know, and I think that's why the Chargers, if you look at that number, you would, that number hit 14, then it came all the way back to 10 and a half, and it mm-hmm. went, now it's at 11 and a half, 12. I think a lot of that was because the, the, the professional people knew there's a, a lot of flu like problems within their team. You know, I, look, to me, this is all about Dallas playing from in front. Dallas got to play from in front, and they got to force, they got to force Miami to be in a lot of third downs. When Miami's in 10 or under third downs, they're too good. They're going to execute. You got to take away the first read from Tua, and you got to force him into a lot of third downs, and you got to tackle really well. You got to hope their defense can play way better than they did last week. I mean, if they run the ball 49 times in Buffalo, how many times do you think they're going to be able to run the ball in Miami? Yeah, it's the the run defense concerns me as somebody who roots for the Dallas Cowboys. Like it's it's been it's been bad kind of all season to be honest but now it's even worse without Jonathan Hankins in there um, they said that a lot of it was tackling and we got to get that fixed is what Dan Quinn was saying so we'll see if they can tackle better down there in Miami but those guys have a lot of speed I mean uh, Devon Achan and like all these guys I mean these guys are running like four two forties. but their offensive it's, line's beat up though Femi if you're going to yeah. put pressure on them I mean this is the game to do it I mean I thought last week with the Saint with the with the Jets with their front they could do it but there's a lot of the, this offensive line for Miami is not healthy right now I think they said the entire offensive line didn't practice on Wednesday for the Dolphins. So, I mean, that's that's not what you want to see there. They're banged up. So we'll see what happens once we get further into the week. Also, no Tyreek Hill on Wednesday, but that's they were going to be cautious with that all throughout this week here. Let's get I to would the, expect that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, I think he'll end up playing in the game. Uh, Jacksonville, though, they might be without their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, here. I know this is a team that there's got, they've got some problems. It didn't look good Sunday night. Lawrence right now in the concussion protocol. They're a pick at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are hoping to try to win the NFC South. Well, I think this tell, like that this line was opened up. Jacksonville was favored by three, and it's moved down to a pick'em. I mean, look, Jacksonville has not played well. I mean, when you break Jacksonville down over the last month or since the bye week, they've not played good at all. And, and a lot of it is their quarterback. I mean, he hasn't played well either. I mean, we know he doesn't play good at home, which he didn't do, and he hasn't played well. And now the last couple games, I mean, when they've come back from the bye week, you know, they lose it. They get blown out by San Francisco. They beat Tennessee. They win a close game in Houston. Now they've lost three in a row to Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore. They went through the whole north and got beat. I think this team really lacks toughness, Femi. I really do. I, I think this team lacks toughness. I think this team, now they're going to be without Kirk and they're going to be without Zay Jones. They're an 11 personnel team without their best receivers. Hard to do. It's hard to do. And last week, I don't know what the hell Green Bay was doing, but Green Bay decided to just let Baker Mayfield step up in the pocket and throw any throw he wanted to make. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, Joe Barry should be ashamed of himself. Like, 
he should be really ashamed of him to, to have. I mean, he had more players pass the quarterback on almost every single pass I've ever seen in my life. Like at some point, you're going to correct it. But anyway, go back to this team. I, I have no faith in Jacksonville. I don't think they're great on defense. Now, they get Campbell back. That's going to help. But offensively, if it's just a C.J. Beathard game, how do, you, how do you play Jacksonville? Yeah, I don't think you can. Maybe you play the under if, I, if, if this thing ends up being a little lower scoring. I mean, they've had six turnovers in the last two weeks. Their defense is just average at best, right? And so, like, what do you, what do you see in this? Like, this team is, is lax. It doesn't have any physicality to it. It's a play caller's team. That's what it is. It's a play caller's team. Uh, it has not been the team that we, uh, I think many people expected to see. We've always kind of been cooler on Jacksonville than most people, but I think a lot of people thought this would be a contending team. They don't look you, that you, like they're contending. You know, I, I keep asking this question. You, you're not going to pay Justin Fields. How, are you paying Trevor? Does Trevor Lawrence deserve a max contract? And I think, he's, I, I think he's talented, but he's yet to prove to me that he can play with any level of consistency at all. Like, I know he's got talent, and I know he deserved to be the first pick, but... You know, you you put Purdy and him on the same plant. Like I, I promise you, if you put Lawrence in San Francisco, would he do what Purdy's doing? Ask yourself that question. Mm. That's a good. That's a good question because Lawrence, hey, he he hasn't been good. Like like the, the the draft projection stuff, like that's out of the window. Like it's, it's, like you say, it's not where you're picked. It's how you play. He's not playing to the level that we all expected to see. Like it's, well, he's living off of the fact that 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 Doug's going to make him great. He's living off the fact that Doug's making him great, you know? And so, like, is he? Are the numbers show that that's the case? I mean, he's basically, he's not as good as he was last year. Real quick, who do you think wins the Cleveland and Houston game? Doesn't sound like Stroud will be able to make it through protocol this week. I'm going to lean Cleveland here. I would take the points to Cleveland. I think Houston's beat up. Yeah. Well, you'd be, you? you'd be laying it now because now there's two and a half. Cleveland is the favorite in this game. It kind of leans toward that we're oh, not going to see C.J. Stroud. Oh. I, I think at two and a oh, half. Oh, he's definitely not playing. Yeah, I think you lay it still at two and a half. It's under a field goal. I think that's a solid bet to make. Uh, that does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle. Once again, reminder, we'll be back on Tuesday. So no pod Monday on Christmas. Boxing Day Tuesday, we'll have a pod to recap everything from week 16. Subscribe, rate, and review as always. We'll see you guys then.